Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with The Daily Journal. You've tuned in to another edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast. We're talking Mississippi State football today. Going to talk about new Bulldogs coach Zach Arnett. I'm joined by Matt Wyatt. Matt, I don't even know how to introduce you anymore. You are so so diversified. Maybe it's just Matt Wyatt, king of all media. I think that's well, <laughs> What was that line in that movie? Uh, the the Tommy Boy movie. Uh, I'm picking up your sarcasm. Yeah, well, I should hope so. But <laughs> you know, yeah. Paris. Let me just tell you, it's not a good thing uh, to all the young people listening. You would like for at this point in your life, people would be able to go. This is what this guy does. Here it is, one simple line, and I don't have that. So, why? Well, no, tell us though. Before we get into Zach Arnett, tell us about uh, the new job and exactly what that is. Yeah, so it was um well, well the job is in in sort of managing and oversight the launch of something called Hail State Plus and it's a it's a content network attached uh to Mississippi State. It doesn't necessarily emanate from state. The company that I work for is called Sport and Story, but Sport and Story has a you know relationship with the athletics department to produce that content from in-house on an online and and over-the-top TV app streaming service. And we just started it in August. And so that's it. It's a video and uh, and in some cases audio and podcast network that really is sort of it's a baby. I mean, it's just getting started. We're a few months into it. Um, but that's what it is. Uh, I guess my title is, you know, GM at Hale State Plus. So are you still uh, on the radio with the ESPN station in Jackson? Yeah, I still do that every day. A two hour show from 12 to two every day. Uh, it's on in Jackson and and it re-airs at night in Vicksburg. And um, and then still call the games for state in the fall. Yeah. And uh, and then in the spring, um, you know, Bart. Gregory and Charlie Winfield do most of the baseball games, but I'll fill in and do a few of those for them from time to time in the spring as well. Well, let's talk about Zach Arnett a little bit. Not the youngest of all time, not even not even the youngest ever at Mississippi State, but uh, somewhat of a, a young head coach in a new position there with State. So what, what do you think are the biggest challenges that face uh, any young coach? What uh, What should Zach Arnett expect? Yeah, that's a good question. Because, you know, Parrish, isn't it, it – it's sort of mind-boggling you think about somebody that's 36, 37 years old, and to me and you, that's pretty young, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and running an entire football program. But, you know, I would say that given the way the profession has sort of had to shift and change and morph a little bit to match the sport, the direction that recruiting has gone over the years, the direction that the portal has gone, the NIL, I believe it is a young man's game now. Um, I think a 37-year-old Zach Arnett has a much better probably grasp and just sort of feeling and understanding of NIL and players jumping from one school to the other than, say, uh, a guy who's – 65, you know, uh, because that a lot of those older coaches, we're still hanging on to the old way of things. And man, you ought to stay and play for your team and finish it out and get a degree, you know, well, frankly, not everybody looks at it that way anymore. So 
I, I think Zach's just right. And I, you know, him personally, I will tell you, I'm, I, I'm not, you know, embedded with Zach and like super duper close and we're not texting each other every day. I don't want to give anybody that impression, but I've been around the team and been to practices and been in some meetings and had a chance to sit and watch some film with Zach a few times. And he is um, just my impression. He knew it. We knew it. Everybody knew it. He was going to be somebody's young head coach. It was going to happen. He just turned, I guess, what, 37. You know, when he's 35 and your first year in the SEC, you know, you're not going to be – nobody's going to hire you as a head coach. But then that second year, the phone's ringing off the hook. They want you to come here and be a defensive coordinator, come there, be a defensive coordinator. And I think he already knew I'm on track to be a young head coach, and that's going to be my next move. And so um, his makeup to me is perfect for the job. Uh, his energy just never goes out. His intensity is is there 24 hours a day. Uh, extremely intelligent. Is he? He does not. I don't think Zach looks at what we look at as challenges in NIL and portal. I don't think Zach looks at it like challenges. I think he looks at it like it's just part of the job, the same way recruiting and everything else. And I, I really believe this, Parrish. Um, he's going to be successful. You know, a guy like him that's going to make a career out of being a head football coach, that's what he's going to do till he retires. Well, this first one's got to work, right? right. Can't fail at the first yeah. one. And I I believe that we'll get down the road at some point and we'll look back and go, man, you hated the circumstances. You still do. But how fortunate State was that when Coach Leach passed away, Zach Arnett's sitting right there and he's ready to go. Um, I think it's really a blessing for State. Want to come back to Zach Arnett, but you hit on something that interests me right now that is the uh, transfer portal. And uh, <clears throat> you don't see uh, recruits uh, saying this out loud on social media, but I wonder, Matt, if maybe uh, these young guys, because there is so much freedom of movement now, um, do you think recruits kind of go into this now, go into signing day, with uh, a number one school and then a number one A? Do you think a lot of them are, are looking at that place? Hey, the relationship uh, with the coach that didn't sign me is just as important now as the relationship with the coach that did, because if it doesn't work out here, because I see this other kid that is signed at my position, uh, you know, I've got a safety net, so to speak, a, a plan B. You, do you think recruits are approaching it that way? Yes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, who's to blame them mm -hmm. sort of thing, right? If that's available to you. Um, because it, it's almost just like, you know, it doesn't compare to what it was like 25 years ago, right? Because the rules have changed, the parameters are different. So naturally with a different set of rules and different options, you're going to approach it differently. And yeah, so I think this perceived sort of, What's the right word? This perceived sort of um, connective tissue between coach who recruited me and me and program that is just it's you just can't tear away from that. I just think we don't live we don't live in that world anymore. Um, and I don't think anybody's to blame on the coach or the player side. I, I don't. I think I'm having to adjust to that. And we all are. So, yes, Parrish, I think lots of players are looking at it like, OK, here are my options prior to signing day. 
uh, I'm going here because if I can get on the field at that place for that coach early, that's what I want to do. But if it doesn't work out, I can also get the degree I want at that school and he's coaching over there and I'll just transfer over there. <laughs> you know, um, I think they're weighing all that out. And I still don't, you, you, you may have studied this. I, I still don't know that we fully know yet what the effect, the total effect is on all uh, from all this stuff on like the numbers of high school kids who are kind of getting left out in the cold, the numbers of junior college programs that are really suffering now because you don't have as many transfers down and back out because they don't have to now outside of an academic issue. There's no, no need to go to Juco. I just go to wherever I want to go. Right. So to answer your question, sure, players are looking at it like, okay, here's my best option. This is what I'm going to try. If it doesn't work out, no harm done. I'm out of there. Obviously, the circumstances were very different when Zach was hired. Uh, how much of a slam dunk was this with Zach Arnett? I mean, I heard that there were already some coaching waiting conversations taking place. Did State miss an opportunity by not slowing down and and considering other options. Yeah. Um, well, I don't look at it like they missed an opportunity to not pursue other options because you're right. Those, those conversations were going on behind the scenes and not just with Mississippi State. I mean, there are people that had watched Zach and watched what he did and knew his makeup and had heard him at clinics and, look at his age and his background. He's connected to Rocky Long. He's connected to, to Mike Leach. He's, he approaches it a little different. You know, he, he takes a, a team that's got 46 guys on it. They go to Athens one year and hold them to nine yards rushing. You know, he goes into, takes a defense into Oxford who they've been running the ball on everybody and holds them to a season low of like 78 yards rushing on their own field. I mean, he's got these blips on his resume in just three years, and everybody just knew the whole package was there. And like I said, the talk behind the scenes among, I think, coaches and agents and people in, around was, look, one of the reasons he hasn't jumped on an, a, a defensive coordinator offer because his phone rang off the hook the first three years he was in the SEC is because he knew my next move is I'm going to be a head coach. and they knew it. I think State knew it. And given the scenario, we're going to waste no time in making him the next head coach. Had it been a different scenario, maybe that is different, right? But given those circumstances, you don't you don't tarry on a Zach Arnett sitting there who uh, you want to. You'd already thought there may come a day we want to make him our next head coach. Why do people have so much confidence in Zach Arnett? I mean, as you mentioned, I've seen those blips. Those mm -hmm. blips were very impressive. Now, when you put all the blips together, his first three defenses at State, statistically, numerically, were good, not elite. Mm -hmm. What gives people so much confidence in Zach? Yeah, I think it's – I do think it's more than – maybe just just the stats and just the results on the field right i think it's a little more than that it's um he is 
how can we how can we put this? You know, and and maybe there's this element too of people for years now, Parrish have been looking for the next Belichick and Saban. And I'm not saying that he is, I'm just saying everybody's looking for the next one, right? This young up and coming defensive guy. And then they look at Kirby Smart, right? Of course, he got a totally different career path, but defensive guy, young, approaches it a certain way on defense, driven. So there's some of that, but then there's also the element of, you know, they they watch him run that side of the ball as if he were a head coach. That's part of it too, is that not a lot of defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators for that matter, Parrish, get to completely control every aspect of one side of the ball with no, almost no input or dabbling from the head coach. It's like Coach Leach said, look, man, if you coach my defense, it's all you. The personnel decisions, game planning, practice schedule, it's all yours. So it's like a mini head coach scenario also. Then there was the recruiting angle. He's been very good at that. Then there's the player development angle. He's been very good at that. You look at guys like Watson and Jet Johnson and all these. So – the different boxes that you check, you know, being able to speak to a group of people, being comfortable with the name, image, and likeness stuff, which in this era, you got to have that, right? Well, you know, prior to the season, the last couple of years, when y- y- you would take maybe uh, uh, program representatives to go speak to a an alumni group or something, like come to Tupelo and meet with the local alumni at the country club to, to explain NIL and what's got to happen. Well, it was Zach Arnett giving those presentations. People don't know they necessarily knew some of that. So it's just like every box is checked. And and a lot of it is there's no guarantees. I mean, there are lots of people who check every box and it doesn't work. But And that's why I think the, the circumstance played a role as well. We're seeing his staff come together. He's got two coordinators in place today, one of those hires coming out to uh, just today's Kevin Barbe. Is that uh, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Kevin Barbe, um, successful run at two different mid majors, staffs coming together. What do you think about what you're seeing? I am, you know, I like it. And Barbe's one, the track record's pretty impressive, you know, the the, the numbers and the and, and the offense. I watched kind of got wind of it last night, Paris, and I started watching some of um Central Michigan, when he was there a couple of years ago, uh, I, I watched uh, the App State offense from this past year against North Carolina. I went back and watched it against A&M, watching some of that. And the, the curious thing to me is they've used a lot of tight ends. They've used tight ends as H-backs. They've used a lot of two-back sets. Um, it is very much like a, a kind of a typical modern-day spread option offense built off zone running game and play action in the gun. Not a lot of RPO that I saw, but zone read stuff. And that is a part of those spread offenses. So when I look at it, I go, a lot of your personnel is already there. You know, he's coached different types of quarterbacks, some who could run, some who couldn't, and they figure out a way to move the ball. But the tight end thing is a piece that I'm super curious about because it's either it's either you come in and you go, okay, we must go find tight ends in the portal right now because we're going to use them year one, or he's going to, for the first time in his career, coach a season without him and recruit to him. And that's what I'm really curious to see what route they take. 
How do you think state fans uh, embrace this new offense? Did they like the peculiarity, the uniqueness of being a Mike Leach team? Are they excited about something? Uh, you know, are they excited about tight ends? That's a good question. I don't know. Paris, I always felt like even in year three, the fan base was kind of 50 50 on the offense as it was in the quote unquote air raid. You, you know, that's kind of how I felt. You, you had about, you had about 50% that we like seeing the ball in the air regardless. And we've seen the comeback against Auburn and we saw the explosion the first year against LSU, you know, those ups, right. And then I think you had about other 50% that, they saw the games, too, that were really ugly, kind of like the Egg Bowl and kind of like the bowl game. And they're like, look, man, you know, this isn't consistent enough and you've got to mix in the run more. You know, I always felt like it was kind of 50-50 on that. And and really, my gut tells me that probably a majority of the fan base is fine with – you know, moving back into the more multiple approach on offense with with maybe tight ends and two backs more and maybe more of a run game that is going to create some explosive plays in a pass game where it looks a little bit more like everybody. I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think probably a majority of your fan base is okay with that. I thought it was interesting, Matt, in the comeback against Illinois – that uh, the run game was such a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Not that uh, not the occasional keep them off balance run, but the run called two and three times in a row in uh, in that fourth quarter, and uh, the big quarter by Simeon Price and and Woody Marks too. Uh, you know, early on in yep. that fourth quarter, um, was I reading too much into that, or was that uh, Zach Arnett showing us what he wanted to do? Well, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was Zach Arnett showing us what he wanted to do. I know Spurrier was calling those plays. Maybe it was being dictated. I don't think so. But, you know, honestly, I came away from that last drive thinking, Paris, that that was a a really unique instance where your reputation helped you to get that defense in a position in that situation where you could run the ball. You know what I'm saying? You're, You're towards the end of the game. You're going to spread the field. You are the air raid. You got time running out, limited timeouts. You got a few left, but time running out. One way to preserve timeouts is what? Incompletions and catching it and stepping out of bounds. The whole reputation, air raid, they're going to throw it in this situation. For sure they're going to throw it in this situation. And then what do you do? Inside zone, you pop the run. So you line back up since it worked and we go, okay, I'm checking. They don't have anybody in the box. Inside run, down to the two. I felt like it was more a situational thing where Illinois' hands were tied a little bit because they're going a minute left. We're playing an air raid team. They're going to throw the ball. It's what they do. And then you pop two runs on them. Uh, So I may be wrong. That's kind of what I felt more so maybe than Coach Arnett saying, hey, let's run the ball right here. Yeah. Interesting. Because you talk about there were – there were good games, really good games, and then some struggles uh-huh. with the air raid. And I look back at this team in 2022, Matt, and, you know, maybe uh, nine wins, people would have been happy at the beginning of the year if you told them that. I thought the road there was really kind of iffy. Uh, I look back at Georgia, 
Kentucky, and Alabama. They were the top three defenses in the SEC in those games. Mm-hmm. They scored just one offensive touchdown each time. Right. And you've got to, I mean, not not that you're going to run the table against those three, but you, you've got to compete better offensively than I thought they did this year. But I, I thought uh, the way they played and, and came back from that stretch really was uh, was really good. You know, you had those two back-to-back SEC home games to start conference play, huge, big atmospheres at uh, Davis Wade, big games, big wins. And, you know, October came, and, and it was uh, – you know, it was very different. Hey, Matt, I appreciate you being with us today, man. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. Come back and join us.